Hello, and welcome to episode 194 of Relics of Ore, slash episode 212 of Guild Wars Reporter. This is the holiday co-cast that has become an annual tradition, and joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts, Celeste, Alona, and Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Celeste? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing good. I got a drink down pregame, and I am sitting here with another one, and we all cheers right before, so we're in for... We're in for a long one, according to the show notes, because mm-hmm. we procrastinated long enough that there was an entire patch notes that happened between when we were <laughs> planning to record it and are actually recording it. So, you know, that's what you get. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Alona? I am also doing fine. That's all you get out of me. Fine. Fine. That means you're going to get called on more than everybody else. Oh, I wish I had put more things in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And how are you doing this <laughs> evening, Spirit? I am doing wonderfully on this uh, bright, sunny summer day down here in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, Loath. in Upside Down World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a while because this took longer than we were expecting, and mm-hmm. we sort of merged our last episode into this episode because i thought it was going to be sooner so we actually have a ton of stuff to talk about this week um we i don't i think the show notes being edited by two different podcasts at the same time and by four different individuals at the same time has left us in a really weird order so i'm just going to go top to bottom and it doesn't matter that it's not in order because we are professionals so the first thing on our notes is the nightmare fractal and challenge mode I haven't done it. Which of you three have? There's a challenge mode? There's <laughs> your answer. Excellent. I'm clearing it daily. Yeah, moat. I mean, I knew, challenge moat. I knew Spirit I knew Spirit had, but had, have either of you uh, Guild Wars reporter ladies done the base fractal or... Yes. Yep. Cool. Do you yes, know what that means? Not the moat. Cool. That means that it I means... don't have to talk at all, and I have three wonderful people to talk for me, because I don't know anything about it. Who wants to start? Well, were you around for season one? Se- season one of what? Guild Wars 2? Living Story? Yes. Well, then you know a little bit about it. Oh, okay, so is it actually like the Tower of Nightmares from that Living Story patch? Not cookie cutter, but it it's the same art... art uh, what's the word Aesthetic? I'm looking for? Aesthetic? Yeah, well, it's just the the actual same building, like, as you go around. I don't think they changed much. Assets, that's what, the same art assets. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's good to know. I wasn't certain, and I know that that's been something that they've wanted, or by they, I mean the community has wanted for a long time, was to repurpose some of those living living story season one assets as fractals because they're the only ones that we can't go back and play and we already sort of got that with the molten facility molten Mm -hmm. boss all those things so that's good to know that that's actually you know that they're sort of working through some of those other ones they did certainly add a lot um a lot of things into it that weren't part of the original experience but uh they're all things that add to the playability of it make it work really well for a party of five and also uh, i they bring a lot more what's a lot more um what is the word i'm looking for i'm having problems with words man and we're only five minutes in right uh they add a lot more like i don't want to say full-on like raid mechanics but like baby raid mechanics just just mechanics in general then yeah no i like baby raid baby raid baby raid 
Alrighty. Uh, so how long is this fractal? Is it, um, is it sort of on the shorter end, middle end, longer end? Because I know fractals are sort of divided by general lengths. It's three, three bosses and a small maze event. Um, Same. We, we middle been short? It. Yeah, we've been clearing the challenge mode in about 25 minutes with, you know, no no wipes or anything. Just a little bit of downtime in between as we, you know, someone goes AFK or like a, a casual clear of it takes up about 25 minutes. So that's really the long end, though, isn't it? Because none of the singular yeah. fractals are really any longer than that unless you wipe a bunch of times. Yeah, I would say it's on the longer end of fractals. It's probably, um, probably around a uh, sort of underground facility in length. Do you think that's because it's still relatively new, though? No, I think it's just because it has... Uh, so if you think of, like, a boss as an event, and then, like, either the trash or an event in between bosses, uh, you've got things on the short end, which is, like, uh, Ascalon, where you've got Dolphy as a boss, the event of getting to the next thing, the next event, and then the the boss. So there's, like, four things in a row. Um, but you can skip over one of those events completely, uh, whereas Nightmare Fractal, you can't skip anything, so you have to do all True. those things. Uh, my train, on the other hand, has just two events. It's the you know the little champion in quest guy, and uh, my train herself. So it's things like that. Um, okay. Yeah. Molten boss is literally just molten boss plus a champion. Yeah. So Celeste, have you done this much? I don't actually know how much fractal experience you have as a general rule. I did see that you finally got your agony resist up, so I'm gonna guess that you don't play them a ton. I don't. I, my personal level is only like 23 or 24, so I'm a nub. Um, but I liked it. I enjoyed going back to the area. I thought that it was really fun to see all the assets again. And the strange boss that like pooped out of the ceiling was different. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, maybe. Uh, I mean, no, that's great. We, whatever. The, yeah whatever <laughs> spoilers for three-year-old content yeah yes. exactly um all right that's fine so i mean how much do we want to talk about this we have a lot of stuff to talk about and there's literally just a single thing on it but we didn't talk about it on our last show uh i mean do we want to do a brief rundown or do we just sort of want to say that it's a thing and then talk about the harbinger of woe which is what's actually in the show notes um i will do a quick done quick rundown of all the things that I had in my mind to say about it, and then you can comment on any of them as you so choose. Um, there are... Sorry, my voice went out right away. Um, there are a couple things that are different from the Nightmare Tower back in the day, one of which is a watchwork night boss. I don't think mm -hmm. there were any in the tower. I can't remember for sure. Um, but that is very cool. If you haven't gotten to see uh, the Watchwork Knights, because they haven't really been in the game for a long time, uh, the animations um, on them are fantastic. They're they're a very interesting enemy type in, in the way that they move, um, sort of standing up and transforming and, you know, having their limbs spin around and everything. They also have great butts, much like the mushrooms in Maguma. Mm -hmm. um, yes. 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 So... Uh, they were back in the day affectionately known as robots um because their butts are still attached in the middle of this giant transformer robot um you got to watch else? their oh, assets you do have to watch their assets um the fractal overall introduced a bullet hell mechanic that we haven't really seen anywhere else um it takes the form of basically there's an, there's an orb inside a cap circle and that orb spits out 
bullets that are constantly changing patterns. Um, There's like uh, maybe six to eight different patterns throughout the whole fractal that you'll encounter at different points um, and different bosses. Wow. Um, Different bosses, uh, different events. They are not reflectable or anything. You just have to run around them. Uh, But it's a cool, uh, you know, additional tool in the arsenal of boss design now. They've got a very large, like, uh, one of the things that really excites me as a a player who does enjoy that sort of challenging endgame content is that they're constantly adding this new, like, even many, many years into the game. (laughs) Many, many. Four years into the game. Four years is many, many years in many games. Yeah. Technically, many, many, many. Um, you know, well into the game's lifespan that they're constantly adding this new, this getting this new tech um, to do new things with boss mechanics. And so there's always, uh, I'm always looking forward to when they say, oh yeah, we got this new, this new tech in here, we got this new mechanic, uh, how they carry that forward and use that on other bosses. And bullet hell, even, you know, even with my latency has been manageable and, and fun. So I've enjoyed that a lot. One of the other mechanics that they had added, I remember them talking about this on one of the um, walkthroughs that they had done, was that they added infinite bouncing for projectiles, and that was something that they didn't have in the game at all. Mm. Yeah, the bouncing projectiles can be kind of nasty, but uh, one of the things that I am quite happy about with this is not the bullet hell bullets, but the projectiles by the bosses in this fractal, I think are all reflectable. The poison ones might not be. But everything else is, which is nice because I hate when there are unblockable attacks or projectiles or whatever because then I can't use my skills arbitrarily and I get sad. You know what would have been nice in this fractal? What's that? Having uh, the healing skill antitoxin spray. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a great like special action skill. Ooh, yes. I'm actually bummed that we don't have that healing skill because I always really liked it. I was going to say, you're still a little bit salty about that? Well, a little bit. <laughs> but I'm actually on the Tower of Nightmares release page on the wiki, and it was like, things that features antitoxin spray. Oh! And it cost me 25 skill points. Yeah. Womp womp. Um, I think the last big thing I have to say about the challenge mode in particular is that if you enjoy Guild Wars 2's combat, for, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. It challenges you in a way that we don't typically see in this game. It challenges you as a player to move your character, and it capitalizes all, on all of these things that are really great about the combat, like um, like the ability to pop out an Aegis, or the group distorts, or um, yep. things like you know, like t- timing your dodges and and moving around the platform and really using your skills in smart and clever ways and being able to do it uh, you know, with good timing and you will be punished if you do not do so. It really, really brings out all the strengths in those things. Um, I haven't been this happy. I've been playing Guardian pretty much exclusively in that fractal and I haven't been this happy with Guardian in a long time because it, it feels so good to blind an enemy or to block an enemy in that clutch moment when you know you saved someone's life. And even though... Uh, you kind of every once in a while get those kinds of moments in raids. Uh, raids is much more about how you coordinate your team. You're of ten people rather than the individual. By and large, I, there are exceptions, and I don't. You know, we don't need to go into all that. But uh, it is a really fantastic experience, and I, it really 
it disappoints me that, you know, what in my opinion is a great, great showcase of Guild Wars 2 combat and the game in general is locked so far behind everything. It's at level 100. Um, to get in, you have to have one person in your party has to have done all the achievements for the normal Nightmare Fractal. It's not hard to do. You can do it one or two runs easy. You're talking um, specifically about the challenge mode? Yeah, to to a- access the challenge mode. Yes. Because uh, the challenge mode has different mechanics from the Nightmare Fractal. So if you go in at a lower level, you'll see some of the same stuff, but it won't feel the same. It's a, it's a very different scale, very different uh, sort of set of skills demanded of you in challenge mode than in the normal one. Um, and it, it also has that, that AR block as well. So it is disappointingly inconsistent with the goals of Guild Wars 2 when the thing that highlight or like, yeah, just shows it off best. The epitome of Guild Wars 2 combat is so far locked behind all these systems that Guild Wars 2 is uh, almost infamous for not having, right? Like, you don't, you know, you don't have to attune to raids or anything. You don't have to, you know, there's no gear treadmill, but there is unfortunately and it was supposed to be like oh in this one aspect of the game but since they've chosen to get rid of dungeons and focus exclusively on fractals we've ended up in this situation where it is not what was advertised to us a long time ago i think and that's a unfortunate place to be in it's always disappointing when you see the game that you love going in a direction you're like wait no don't do this mm-hmm I think a lot of a lot of us who've been inside the game for a long time don't necessarily notice that because we've got all the AR, all the ascended gear from playing for so long, and then you you know yeah. you get someone who comes into the game and <laughs> I, I I know there are plenty of people who don't. Yeah, have that. all four of us totally do. Yeah, <laughs> take suspicious drink. <laughs> well, okay. I to be fair, I do actually have pretty good AR. I just haven't updated it since the last time that they invalidated some of my AR setup. But uh, it's it's definitely true, especially when you talk about things like ascended gear, which is somewhat the reason that I sort of. I mean, I'm not going to say that I've stopped complaining about it because that's obviously a lie. But uh, there's, I mean, for most of the people that are still playing four years into the game, they have enough ascended gear that they don't care that much, and I just am really upset with it in principle. But I think it's really easy to forget that. You know, not everybody has the resources to have hundreds of gold or to make hundreds of gold in not that long of a time period if you know what you're doing because they don't know what they're doing or they don't have networks of people or they don't have long-standing investments. It's very easy to forget the perspective of somebody that hasn't done that and one of the easiest ways to do so, to remember that as an experienced veteran is to do something in Guild Wars 2 that you don't have any experience with and don't have that foundation. And if it's one of those sort of pain points, <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, throat's sort of clogging up, but if it's if it's one of those pain points, it rapidly becomes apparent that you go, oh, wow, that's kind of a pain, right? And yeah, it's, it's very easy to forget what it's like to people that haven't been doing it for a long time. And it presents a challenge to the developers, obviously, because who do you design the content for, right? Like, do you design it for the people that are getting in off the ground floor, or do you design it for the people that already have all the stuff? And if you design it for the people that already have all the stuff, it just makes that barrier even larger. And if you don't scrap that system, then it feels kind of bad sometimes if you sort of devalue it without 
actually getting rid of it. So it's... No, I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's a tough position. But anyway, in our show notes, we have something about who the heck is Harbinger of Woe. So who wants to touch on that? Because I I am asking the same question. Uh, I'll do it, because he's, he's a challenge mode exclusive NPC, essentially. When you go into the fractal, there is a challenge mode. You interact with it, and it summons a character called the Harbinger of Woe. Um, it could be nothing, but there's some interesting little details about him that... Uh, you know, just in the style of ArenaNet, when they put in little details, they're usually pretty well thought out and connect to something else. Um, he is, think of like a Norn-sized character wearing primeval armor. Uh, he would have the legendary fractal back piece, but instead of having a face or anything, he's entirely uh, like a skybox. Like, like think of his entire body as being Twilight. But it's not Twilight, and it's not Sunrise. It's a completely new skybox that we've never seen before, featuring a cracked planet. Uh, so there's that interesting little... What? What is that? Why Why does this guy who, you know, could be just a throwaway NPC have a new art asset for him? Um, the other thing is he's level 100. <laughs> as like... <gasps> screw you, you guys are nowhere on my level type thing. Um, which I don't think we've seen anywhere else in the game. And I think there were a couple other details, but I'm not remembering him right now. He's just a, one of those characters, I think, that may show up as a just an aside, but hopefully, I, I really hope he comes into the story and has a little bit of a character arc because I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, by what he could be. Uh, on that note characters who are an aside but come into their own the nightmare fractal is actually a continuation of the story from the chaos fractal uh where you meet a character called the mysterious asura in the nightmare fractal um he sees you again introduces himself and you have a dialogue with this asura throughout the the story mode or sorry not the story mode of the fractal any of the normal fractals so on the one to 100 scale you get all this fantastic dialogue with arc and he's a, a big part of your your team, even going so far as to shield you from boss attacks. Uh, and the, that story has progressed in that way. And his in voice acting mode, is amazing. Yeah. Um, in challenge mode, when you activate it, it removes all the RP dialogue and trash mobs. And it's just a very, like, a serious dungeon experience, which is kind of cool to see the, the drastic change between those two. I was actually noticing on the Harbinger of Woes wiki page, they list all the different pieces of armor that, it, that it's wearing, and it's like a hodgepodge. It's a ho- I was just about to comment on yeah. that. It's a hodgepodge, but it's also very, I feel the name of them is very thematic. So it's Primeval Warhorn, or Warhelm, Armageddon Pauldrons, Zodiac Warplate, Armageddon Gauntlets, and Mistward Leggings. So all of those... And they- Flame Legion Greaves. And yeah, Flame Legion beers, yeah, whatever. But the, hey, look, that doesn't support my argument, so I'm not going to include it. The that uh, I feel <gasps> like all it? of those things are very serious sounding, if that makes sense, right? You've got you've got mm-hmm. Primeval, which the Primeval armor in Guild Wars uh, was is from the Primeval set from the Realm of Torment right is uh, is where you got that gear in guild wars one mm-hmm. um armageddon just obviously creepy zodiac yeah i don't know it's just it, 
there's sort of some sort of cohesive theme to those names of of items that I feel, especially for somebody named Harbinger of Woe, whose entire body is a skybox. Uh, I don't know. They're very they're very thematically named, even though they're not part of the same set. Also, I'm maybe not surprised, but I kind of would have expected the look that he has to be more in line or to be. Let me rephrase that. I sort of would have imagined that legendary armor would turn out looking like this guy looks, if that makes sense. I was expecting legendary armor to be more of the sort of skybox style of dawn and uh, or sunrise and and twilight and those astralaria, those those types of particle effects. And I was actually kind of surprised that legendary armor is much more toned mm-hmm. down than that. But yeah. this NPC is uh, rocking it hard. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I'm glad we're not all going to look like him. I have to say that. <laughs> he, you saying kind of a, he appears to be more like a really hardcore player, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, plus, he, yeah, he's wielding a gold fractal greatsword and ad infinitum. Exactly. I am the uber, I am the uber fractaler. It's a very metal name, too, so I am the harbinger of woe. Fear Whoa. me. <laughs> How great would it be if he was the harbinger of whoa? <laughs> Maybe he is. Whoa, he will be by dude. the end of this podcast. <laughs> right? I am the harbinger of whoa. The I had to look it up because I thought Harbinger of Woe was actually a Guild Wars 1 character, but it was just the Harbinger and then yeah. obviously Fissure of Woe. So no direct connection, but Harbinger of Woe gave me strong Abaddon vibes. Yes, I, it for me as well, so I'm glad you looked it up. Plus, he's very purpley. I was going to say, exactly. Plus, with the purple motif and the sort of glowing eyes, helmet thingy, highly technical terms here. Mm-hmm. So, Sherpa Spirit, when do we get to go in? I will take you any time. I will just not promise any results. <laughs> Fair. Results not guaranteed. 0% APR. <laughs> I am I am not on the level of people who are soloing uh, Mama, who is the first boss. It's an acronym, but I forget what it stands for, so it's just Mama. Okay, well, I'm going to pull the plug on this segment, because we are literally two lines into a three-page document of show notes, and it's 24 minutes in, so sure. let's move on. Season 5 PvP, can I get a show of virtual hands, also known as eyes, for people who PvP in this game? Not often I. Congratulations, Celeste. You are the most <laughs> PvP person on this podcast. Uh, really? I A lot of might, PvPs more than I do. It might it might be me. Well then why didn't you I? I was reading Facebook. <laughs> oh god. Jeez. <laughs> Alright, so there's a whole bunch of new updates for Season 5 PvP, and the reason I'm asking is because I literally have no context for PvP in this game, because I don't particularly enjoy it in this game. So I can talk about some of these things, but some of their impact or interest is going to be completely lost on me. So we obviously have some new rewards, the Black Llama, the Glorious Heroes Armor, which is Ascended Armor, which we'll talk about in a second. Um and uh, Skyhammer being added to ranked play. But as for some of these other questions, I'm going to have to defer to the other podcast members. I'm getting it all out of the way right away, all the stuff that I don't know anything about. So, you know, just 
Well, Just except, yeah, some of the stuff is new, so I haven't experienced it either, like the rating decay. So I haven't really... It, this was definitely one of those ones I can read about it, but until I actually experience it, I don't quite grasp it. <laughs> so I'm not overly helpful. Right. So I guess the first thing I wanted to mention is that I do think it's really great that they're adding a way to get Ascended Armor from PvP, just because, again, more avenues towards Ascended Armor makes it at least in Iota more swallowable. Uh, just, just barely. But apparently his content has been disabled, according to Celeste, which just made me laugh my face off so there was uh there was a bug introduced with a patch that all of the armor previewed by it would make you uh butt naked like that's down right to no no undies <gasps> just oh yeah butt naked and oh i so saw that was, i didn't know it was, what it was immediately for immediately removed and we'll be back shortly <laughs> well that's not like you can see actual bits i mean yeah but i think i think the big deal is it impacts the rating of the game which is oh. a big no-no okay that makes sense <laughs> So, butts. Butts yes. and boobs. Sort Bums. of boobs. I mean... Boob mounts. Boob mounts, of... yeah. <laughs> 90% of boobs? Although I guess, uh, <laughs> like, how... It would depend on the ratio of what it's you were considering, 10%. Some, <laughs> some, some it'd be like be 95%. <laughs> Yeah, but as far as ratings go, really, it's only that last 5 to 10% that matters, so, you know, for some reason. Yeah. Baffling. <laughs> Baffling. Baffling, I say. Anyway, uh, I just I just had to laugh that that was already, already disabled, but I wasn't sure that... I didn't know that that was the reason that it was disabled. I did know about the naked armor glitch, but I didn't know that it was from the Ascended Armor, so that's... <laughs> and I suspect the disabling is going to be fairly short-lived. I mean, they're obviously going to try to get that back up and running as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah, pretty quick, but it's also the holiday season, and since Ascended Armor doesn't actually matter for PvP, uh, and it's not a time-locked currency, it's probably... we'll see. It may be very fast, it may be a little less fast, just due to special considerations, but that's okay. Yeah, but there's a Black Llama in there, and everyone's gonna want that. Eh, uh, sure. But I mean, the Black Llama will be there still, right? So... I'm gonna... this is what I'm trying for right here. I'm pointing at the Black Llama in the show notes. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. So, anyway, so, rating decay. I... so, your... your... MMR, your matchmaking rating, will will decay if you don't play for three days at a rate of 100 per day. Now, this is where I have literally no conception of what 100 MMR is in Guild Wars, um, nor do I have any concept of how quickly you gain MMR. I just, from my perspective, I find it interesting because I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, and only two divisions in overwatch have mmr decay and it's the top two it's masters and whatever top 500 or whatever have mmr decay and they give you a full week i believe which so it was very surprising for me to read a three-day mmr decay um when we did the show last week we knew about the rating decay but we didn't know this tidbit from evan l that said that every three days and that you could easily make the maximum decay with a moderate binge of seven games on the weekend so i mean presumably you could even do that over like if you played a game every night you'd be fine by the sounds of it 
or one mm. or two matches. Yeah. So if you are serious about the, I actually thought that that was fairly generous because I don't play Overwatch, so I didn't know about a week. <laughs> well, a week and only in the in the actual highest divisions. Yeah, and I mean the the, I actually think three days seems pretty generous considering how short the season is as well. And how long is the season, just for reference? January 10th, I think? Or am I wrong? No, that seems way too early. A month? Yeah, a month? February 7th is the last day. Okay, Okay. so two months. Thank you. Give or take. Yeah. I just randomly pull dates out, apparently. I mean, whatever. This is the pulling things out of your various orifices episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, what were you saying? Oh. It kind of puts me off as someone who doesn't know like i also don't have that concept of you know what if i don't play for three days i just have that mentality of you know oh, if i don't play for three days then the work i've done in the past is you know slightly invalidated um so that's sort of off-putting to me as a person who has always been on the outside looking in for seasons going yeah they you know they keep making improvements one of these times i'll get in i'll actually try it because I, I like to do things like that i'll try anything once uh, just get really into it and, you know, maybe decide I don't like it, never do it again. But I will try things like that, you know, push push myself out of my comfort zone a lot. And so seasons have always been one of these things where I, I keep seeing it. Like, oh, yeah, maybe this time I'll do it. Maybe this time I'll do it. And people complain about it. I'm like, oh, maybe next time. So season five rolls around. There's all these great things about it. And it's like, if you don't play every three days, well, sucks to suck. I, like, that's just what it sounds like to me as somebody from the outside looking in. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds, whether, you know, whether people have any, th- any problems with it. I, I also felt that three days was a very sort of short period, um, which I guess, you know, it, to when you phrase it like, you know, once every three days you have to spend 15 minutes playing a PvP match or whatever, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. Um, to me, it's... You know, like once every three days, you have to schedule time to do a thing. Otherwise, the time that you scheduled before goes to waste. And like that part of it, it was is what gets me a little bit more rather than just like, oh, if you happen by once during the week, it's safe, you know, until the weekend or whatever. And then it's fine. I don't know. It, it's just a little bit off putting for me as someone who's always wanted to get into it, but just never really quite felt like it would be a good thing for me. I pretty much feel the same way. I have done, I did the first season, got up into all of Amber, and uh, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I'm not really progressing any further, and well, it's not a big deal, whatever. And this time I'm kind of like, well, I don't even want to bother starting because I'm just going to decay too quickly. Right, and again, this is this is where I have no context because... In in Overwatch, right, a hundred MMR, or I mean, you don't actually know your MMR in Overwatch, but you know your quote unquote skill ranking, your SR, which is fairly close to your MMR, and you win or lose about twenty SR for a game. So if you, so like in my mind, when I hear you lose a hundred MMR, and the divisions are only five hundred apart, so when I hear you lose a hundred in three days, I was just like. I'm sorry, say what? But again, I yeah, I, I, actually, I don't know how those numbers translate to Guild Wars at all. So. I kind of feel like that... Now, I could be 100% wrong on this, but I, I kind of feel like looking at the, the blank, you know, the bare text versus what it would actually be like to, to play, to be in it, I, like the in-game versus the on-paper, I feel like they're not going to be the same. 
Does that make sense at all? Like it it sounds overly punishing. I agree. And, but I'm going to try it for science. Well, I mean, more power to you for trying it for science. To me, it, the real divide comes between what your investment level is in PVP, because again, I, I don't. And so that's just one more thing to make me not want to bother because I, I can tell you now, I will not play Dual Wars 2 PVP once every three days, period. Like I, I just won't. So that just means I'm going to be hitting that. But if you care at all about it, you know, yeah, one, one a day, that's hardly anything, right? Um, so and realistically, you tend to do like two or three because the matches are pretty quick. Sure. Yeah. If, if you're into it, right? Mm-hmm. So, but eh, it, it just seems weird to me because MMR Decay is something that I understand when it's a long period of time because say you're ranked at a certain level if you haven't played in a while you're probably rusty you probably don't really have the chops to be playing at that level of other people that have been playing the whole time but three days is not long enough to get rusty (laughs) like to me I don't know um yeah I'm not what if they change the meta every three days well that would be an alarming rate that would be alarming (laughs) right yeah, it's yeah. I I'm not upset about it because I have no stakes in the race. I just I was just curious to hear what other people thought that have ever done it. So, uh, you know. Anyway, I think. So I, oh, sorry. Just another quick note on this. I think I wonder if this MMR decay introduction is more um, a counter to the pip system change. Because they change how the Pipsip system is working from previous uh, seasons. So I'm kind of wondering if, to, to balance off that change, they're trying this. Well, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because again... I don't remember now. Well, learn fast, Missy, because when I hear okay. Pips, I think of Guild Wars 1 regeneration and degeneration <laughs> Pips. And That's I've right, always fine. been mystified as to why they called them the same thing. So... You know, right, let me go to GWR two eleven. <laughs> I'm an ignorant pleb when it comes to PvP in this game. Fully, fully out about that. There's no. Uh, bu- bu- bu. I'm just looking really quickly. What we the pips? Where the heck was that? So previously, once you reached a division that matched your skill, you stopped earning rewards because pips were a skill system and not a skill plus prestige system. But there was more about it. Than that. Ah, in season five, pips are taking a back seat and will no longer be used for matchmaking purposes. Removing the pip restriction on matchmaking means more players to match with and subsequently shorter queue times. So I'm wondering if the because they've removed the pip restrictions for matchmaking, that's why they're having the decay at at the level they're they have it at. That makes a fair amount of sense. I also still feel like it's really punishing for casuals. Yeah. It was punishing for casuals regardless, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, no no disagreement there. Uh, I think th- the whole point of the change was to make getting into matches faster and to hopefully make them more balanced. So they weren't really trying to make it um, less punishing entry level. Sure. I mean, and that's that's fine too. It, like I, I said, I think it feels more like it's just 
a question of who it's targeted to. It's not punishing at all if you're somebody that is actively playing and interested in Guild Wars 2 PvP. So, mm-hmm. you know, because odds are you probably will play one match every three days. Like, that's not, uh, that's not, that's not asking too much if it's something that you actively take interest in, for sure. So, anyway, we're now 40 minutes in and on our second topic. So, yeah. let's move right on along. Wait. Uh, Sorry, there's a couple of things I want to say super quick because I thought no. they were interesting. Yes, uh, there is a there's a leaderboard attached to this season, and the top three um, ranks in that leaderboard will get exclusive titles. Uh, each one is different. I think number I don't remember what three was. Number two is legendary demigod, and number one is god of PvP. So if you ever see that title. Uh, you know, there is one very specific person that has it. I think that's a. It may be a first in <gasps> You Gilbert's should say two. you're going for it, and then Hunter will actually try PvP. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> I think he would just laugh at me and not try PvP. But okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll keep that in mind because that would be that would be quite enjoyable. But yeah, I think that's a a first where there's sort of of these exclusive titles limited to a handful of people at best. And in this case, uh, you know, one player, Um, you know, it remains to be seen if, you know, the top player in another season can get that same title, God of PvP. But uh, very unusual for Guild Wars 2 to have titles that no one else can get. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I feel like there was something else. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, yeah, God of PvP. Not going to get that title, but, you know, congrats to whoever does in advance. Yeah, that's, that would be pretty impressive. I, yeah. The other thing is the likelihood of running into that person. Yeah. So should we make a pact that if we run into that person, we should whisper them and say, good on ya? Yes, and also we'd take, like, sneaky selfies, like when you're trying to check out someone's yes. armor. Because they've got really <laughs> good armor combinations. You kind of, like, sidle up to them and they'll just, like, smash your screenshot button and then run away. Like when I saw Nike in 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 game, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, it's Nike!" You guys play this game fundamentally differently than I do. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, do. so I okay. Segue, complete segue. There was a character or an MP, no, a player who had the best name ever, and I hadn't seen them around in forever, but I saw them talking in map chat. It was Tickle Me Menlo, and I was so excited. Uh. I whispered that, and I'm like, on, I love you. <laughs> I think Tickle Me Menlo, Menlo was on NSP, like, in the way early days, and I haven't seen him for a long time either. But well, it's good to still know he's playing, still around. Still playing, and I whispered them and said, I love you. That just reminds me back of spoilers for a 10-year-old game at this point. Uh, that just reminds me of back when Guild Wars uh, Factions first came out and somebody won the Hall of Heroes and with a brand new guild that they had just made up and a tag where the tag was Togo and the guild name was Dies at the End. And so when you <gasps> won the Hall of Heroes, it broadcasts it to everybody in the game everywhere oh and my so God. we were running around on noob island and we saw togo dies at the end has taken the <laughs> hall of heroes and i was just like oh that is that is some dedicated trolling that is yeah. oh my god that is some next level trolling and it was funny like i didn't i mean nobody you takes can't even story seriously enough to get that mad about it it was uh pretty funny my husband does i mean does he take it so seriously that that would have made him actively furious, or would he have kind yes. of laughed and been mildly irritated? No, no, fur- furious. Furious. Really? Yeah. 
That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, I'm moving on because we've been talking about PvP for a long time, and there's still so much to talk about. We've got this whole new zone. We barely touched upon it in our last episode. I'm sure you guys have talked about it more than we have because you podcast yeah. every week, so you've done it like three times since our last episode. Eh. 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 Sure. Guild Wars Actually, eh. I don't think we did really talk about our impressions of the zone, to be we perfectly didn't. honest. Perfect. Well, Celeste, that means that you can talk first because you've hardly talked this episode. Okay. Uh, so, Bitterfrost Frontier. It's really... Kind of a medium-sized zone, I would say. Um, the events feel pretty good. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good little zone. Let's there's talk a lot about- to do. <laughs> well, it's, it's good, and there's things, and we definitely haven't been drinking. Um, <laughs> what's what, what do you... First, let me ask, what is your favorite type of zone? Your favorite... Oh, what's the word? I'm now forgetting it now. Uh, biome. What's your favorite biome in games in general or in Guild Wars 2? Games in general, I like forests, but I do love the way that Guild Wars 2 does their winter areas. Yes. It's, um, they managed to make snow interesting, which I think is hard to do. But with this zone and the aesthetic that it follows with the giant trees in the forest that you know we don't see anywhere else in the game, it makes it feel so much more ancient. And sacred for lack of a better term it adds a lot to the flavor of the game i think yeah i think that they nail their alpine zones better than almost any other game just in general i think alpine is a very rarely used biome really and it maybe is partly because the studio is based in the pacific northwest and so we have a lot of forests and a lot of snowy areas and snowy forests but uh, I've always been very drawn to the Norn areas, the Alpine areas, and I think this is I think it's really nice to visit there again finally after spending so long in Maguma and adjacent zones and especially having really only a couple of Norn zones of that biome before you sort of move out of it into the more quote uh, Ascalon or Crichton sort of zones which are on each side of it. So yeah, so so you like how it looks. Is there I, I don't know. Is there is there anything? What stood out the most to you in this zone, as far as uh, either really anything? I mean, it can be it can be events, it could be uh, landmarks, it could be NPCs. Like, what's the what's the biggest thing that you think of when you think of this zone? Honestly, the thing that pops out more than anything is the quaggenary, which just felt like completely out of place. Like I was just like, it's this giant spiral of green. What the crap? <laughs> Okay. Like that was my initial reaction. I was like, "What?" And I, I thought, thought that area was... reminded me of of uh, Morgan's spiral. It does, but it's also it was completely a surprise. I was expecting like, oh, "Okay, Alpine," and then when there was going to be this really frigid area, probably, which was covered. You know, if you don't like Alpine, Alpine specifically, you're going to see that really uh, frigid, cold, austere winter area in part of the map, at least. But the quaggins being there, like the hot springs, it was like, what? What is this even doing here? This is winter. What? Yeah, I, I did kind of like the inclusion of hot springs. The Really, the only other hot spring we have is a very small bathing pool in, I don't know, one of those Norn zones. In Wayfair foothills. Yeah, with the Norn bathing in it, and they're like hitting on each other or something. <laughs> yeah, ultimate bromance. Yeah. I like that area too, but it was just kind of, I, I was really thrown off by having Quaggan there and 
at a hot spring. I don't know. It felt very strange to me, so it really stuck out and stayed in my head. Sure, sure. I like that the hot spring is really deep, that you can swim way down there, and that there's, you know, stuff at the what? bottom of it. Why is there stuff at the bottom? Why not? I have- I didn't do this! Yes, you did! You're the one that told me you did! Oh, never mind then. <laughs> I forgot, apparently. Yeah, no, we every were playing day, together every and day you is told an me. adventure for me. <laughs> we were playing together and you told me you need to swim to the bottom. And I said, oh, why? You said, you need to swim to the bottom. I said, oh, okay. So I go down and there's the stuff. I forgot about this 100%. I totally thought that that's where I was supposed to go during the living story quest, where they're like, uh, find yeah. the really hot water. I won't tell you where it is, i.e. I won't mark it on your map. And I'm like, well, how about the bottom of a giant hot spring swirl? No? Okay, screw you very much, Quaggin man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the exact same experience. <laughs> right? You mean I swam all the way down here and got my underwater legendary out for no reason? Ugh, God. <laughs> yeah did you did either any of the three of you i suppose notice the sort of jumping log suspension bridge thingies at the yes. edges of this area yep. yes did they lead to a jumping puzzle i think it was a vista i actually i've spent a total of about four hours in the zone and like just running through doing story it was most of it so yeah. i i honestly haven't gotten around to that yet because it feels like the start of a jumping puzzle, especially because they're sort of out of the way, kind of, like you can see them from far away, but you kind of have to climb up a weird way to get to the start of it, and then you climb really high up there. But if it is the start of a jumping puzzle, I don't know where to go. There is a vista up there, and there's several of the heat vent, you know, mastery thingies to launch you up into the air. Yeah, and I think that's really all it is. I think, I, unless no one's discovered a jumping puzzle yet it's i think it's just exploration pretty sure okay okay which you know that's kind of awesome too and also it gets you up high enough that if you glide through you can glide through some of those like the entrances to the the hot springs area there are the largest jotun stones in the game and when you're gliding through them, you just feel the magnitude of their size <laughs> and and how you quiet and how did how did these get made? Like, I mean, obviously pixels, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, you, you still feel. Would you say that their giant stones have been pixelated? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like you def like they evoked an emotion. Just say yes. Of awe. <laughs> I'm ignoring you. I am such a child. <laughs> like they're they're amazing. The Jotun Stone. Just so you know. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Grimax laughing and trying to stop. Uh, I'm just trying I to actually, not interrupt you. I'm not really trying to stop. <laughs> I actually wanted to talk about the Alpine Zone specifically with Guild Wars Two as well. I didn't want to interrupt a previous discussion on it, but. Arena, I have to agree 100%. Arena Net gets whoever on their team, they know for snow. And there is. That's difference. coming from a Canadian. This is a prairie girl who knows for snow. So they're like, snow surface textures are different in different situations. And 
they have it on point and that this is one of the reasons I've always liked their snow areas because the snow itself isn't just, oh, it's white. It has personality. It is unique to the area in which it's in. And like the ice surface in Bitter Frost Frontier, as you're getting closer to the really, really, and now maybe I may just noticed it closer to the um, like death cold area, but I was running around with um, probably Hunter and other guildies as well. And I was like, this surface, this ice surface is amazing. The way it's reflecting light and it is the kind of snow ice surface that you get when something is hella jeezly cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what kind of cold? Hella jeezly. Hella jeezly. <laughs> Man, your Canadian was- is on point. But it was really imp- like it was. I noticed it when I was around. Like, wow, this is cold. Yeah, they've also always been very good at storms, whether it be ice storms or sandstorms. They mm-hmm. they really have that effect nailed. Um, yeah. Again, I think I think a big part of it is just that uh, a lot of the artists being from here and having ready access to those kinds of biomes gives them a lot of easy inspiration obviously they're very talented artists as well that's not to take away from that but um yeah it it seems like a reasonable conclusion to draw and yeah i i've always been a huge fan of that that type as well so i i was definitely thrilled to get this kind of a zone because i i mean i was thrilled to have fire islands for a completely different reason but that's just because there's not really anything else like that in guild wars 2 at the moment and also is a great callback to guild wars 1 but as far as just a general type of zone that's not a specific callback to guild wars 1 i love i love getting more of these frost you know these these wintry biomes i think they're they're just great and they they know how to make them very well so I will say, though, that Ember Bay was released while it was still hot out, and now that it's cold, they have Bitter Frost Frontier. And I wish they had been reversed, because when it's cold and snowy outside, I want to be in Volcano Land. And when it is like, I don't want to be wearing clothes because it's so hot, I want to be in Iceland. So they should have reversed that. I don't know that Iceland is very cool with public nudity. You know what? Actually, no, they're very liberal. I'm sure they'd be fine with it. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But there's no beaches in this Iceland. Yes, Bjork's from there. I'm sure they're fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want you to go naked, naked, uh, skinny dipping, right? Mm-hmm. It's all cool. Uh, so would we all agree that it's sort of a uh, in the in the show notes we sort of talked about how large we felt the zone was and then i made fun of you in the show notes too um most of us think it's a fairly medium-sized zone apparently alona thinks it's huge i thought it was i remember going exploring for the first time thinking wow this is a really big zone and then you look around the map and like yeah i guess it's really more mid-size i think it's more that it's big. big for a living world yes it's not like timberline falls big Right. Because, or Lornar's Pass, that place took forever to explore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Spirit, how do you feel about the aesthetic of this zone? What's uh, your favorite thing? My favorite thing in the zone? Yeah. Oh, definitely the Alpine Forest. Just the, the scale of the huge trees is, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's part of the reason uh, that the zone, because I had the same thing as well, Alona, where I, I was exploring around it and I was like, wow, this place is huge. It just keeps going. Um, the sort of, 
the concept that you have of the zone through what you can actually see in the zone and like how everything is scaled properly to make it look like an actual huge place. Yeah, um, yeah I, think I think is I a big there. contributing factor. And that's something that I miss from a lot of games when they do uh, mountain zones or whatever. It feels like, oh yeah, this is a nice little hill that I'm on. It doesn't feel really mountainous, but they, it definitely is here. They've got these huge sloping cliffs. And one of the, one of the advantages that Guild Wars 2 has is the, you know, the, the different masteries that allow you to go up and down, traverse these big vertical areas um, without running into trouble is, you know, I, yeah, it's very cool. Very a wonderful way of being able to capitalize on those great environments that they have. Yeah, I think without the ability to traverse those areas, it would have felt a lot smaller. Which is kind of ironic, don't you think? Because, like, (laughs) it's... Yeah, I really do think. Yeah. The the ability to explore every inch of it in many many games or in many instances makes it feel kind of smaller. I I think sometimes... I mean, maybe not, but it's it's like the fact that you can go up there is just like, wow, this place is huge, even though it's it's really not actually that different in size than if you couldn't go up there, because a lot of the time up there, there really isn't anything other than just being able to see from up there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it definitely is showcasing the why the mastery system and why uh, the verticality that they started in Heart of Thorns is is an interesting and good direction to take. Yeah, without yeah. without the complication of it being as hard to navigate as uh, as Heart of Thorns as well. Um it sort of has all the all the good aspects of the the verticality of the Heart of Thorns maps, but it doesn't have the you know necessarily the complexity of say Tangled Depths where it's, you know, a large, very convoluted space that you can travel through. Right. Oh, God, Tangled Depths. I still have, like, <laughs> PTSD over trying to navigate that stupid map. It took any- s- Sorry, go on. I just said it took me so long to learn it. What were you going to say? Has anyone got the vantage point drop? No, I was uh, going to ask that as well. The what? Uh, uh, there is a drop from Black Lion Chests. I I presume it's still dropping as of today's patch, but I don't know 100%. And it is an account-bound item. Looks like binoculars in the icon. And when you double-click it, it takes you anywhere you are in Tyria. It will take you to this very high point that the only way you can get to it is with this. Or presumably uh, teleport to friend from someone who has it. Yeah. Actually, I want to test that, Celeste. Just so you <laughs> Okay. Because because I got one. Oh wonderful. Because I am Black Lion Key's bitch. So you can edit that out. I won't though. <laughs> Celeste might. Celeste doesn't <laughs> have the audio. <laughs> no, I don't. And you totally uh, are. <laughs> uh yeah. So I did get one and I got it. I'm like, well, this is kinda stupid. I so I clicked it and I went up there. And it was cool, and then I realized, oh, it doesn't go away. I can do this whenever I want. And you're super high up, and it's kind of cool. Like, you can see the zone from a different um, vantage point. Vista, if you will. Well, yeah, and you can jump off it and glide. uh, So you're fairly high above the um, ley lines for the ley line gliding. So it's kind of interesting. If anyone wants to try it, we, we can do the test and see. 
if do teleport to friend works. Do I'm, the thing. I'm sure it does. Teleport to Julie. friend works everywhere. Cool. Were you just saying Julie do the thing? I did. Oh god, that's a great reference. I love that mm-hmm. show. I just finished watching it this week. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god, this is now an Avatar of Korra podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, no, it's a great show. Uh, had yes. you watched? Had you watched Avatar before? Yeah, on Netflix. So it was on Netflix. So I watched it, and then Korra came on, and I watched. I just finished watching it. So yeah, great series. Uh, anyway, did it only get four seasons? Yeah. Ugh, I was surprised. I thought there'd be more. I'm like, oh, it's done. Oh well. Yeah, no, that's it. That's uh, the creators. I think it was largely motivated by the creators sort of wanting a break from the Avatar verse, um, which is fair, I suppose. So makes sense. Julie is my favorite character, though. Julie and, is the best. Yeah, uh, Varric's pretty great too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, my very favorite is oh, forgetting names now. <sighs> the Earthbender brother, the Bolin. The Bolin, yeah. I love me some Bolin. I would date Bolin. I mean, he's pretty great. Especially his, like, his uh, movers being <laughs> so ridiculous. everything. Hero of the North. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Nukchuk, Hero of the Norn. Might as well be. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit, have that you not seen segue. this yet? I have not seen Korra. I've seen Avatar. It's on. It's like one of those things on my to-do list that's a mile and a freaking half long. Mm-hmm. Um, I find Dingling. <laughs> it's not on New Zealand Netflix. Check oh. your American Netflix privilege. <laughs> we don't have everything. <laughs> and Canadian Netflix privilege at this point. Can, yeah, Canadian Netflix has or has fantastic movies, and we used to be able to use VPNs to view those, and no longer. Look, I bought it, okay? So there's no privilege here. I just shelled out hard cash for it. Fair enough. I watched it when it was on? I mean, I bought it. I bought it, like, digital streaming Uh, season passes. I haven't had cable since 1999. (laughs) Well, you're more hardcore than I have, but I haven't had cable since, like, 2004, so I'm almost up there. I'm, like, the ultimate hipster. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you are. I really am. I tell coworkers this all the time. I tell my hipster coworker, I am way more hipster than you. I was hipster before it was cool. I am so hipster that I don't look hipster. Yeah, that's just because trends have swung back around. Man, this is feeling like really old school relics. We got hardcore split off topic. So Winter's Day happened. Um, there's not really anything new this year. I mean, like specifically as far as events or anything like that. But they did fix a bug with the present boxes in the jumping puzzle that apparently they were never supposed to prematurely explode. (laughs) Uh, Prematurely exploding is my high school rock band name. (laughs) I had the feeling you were going to say something along those lines, but you know what? I probably would have gotten the jumping puzzle done a lot more often if that bug had been fixed a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Um, It's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah, well, apparently it's, a bug. it's not. It's a bug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bug confirmed. Did you guys take a look at the new skins? I did. Yes. The black lion skins, or <laughs> yes, and all of them. Every every new skin involved in this holiday season. Anybody yes. have any initial initial yes, no, maybe awful, great, so so? A I... lot of people liked the black lion ones, but I think they look kind of tacky. <laughs> I think green was the wrong choice for those gems. 
That's really funny because it looked like on the subreddit everybody was complaining about them looking tacky. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, at least when I saw it. Yeah, I've seen a mix of of opinions on it. I like them. I don't have any characters that want them. I saw the comments that other than the bright green gem, something else would have been a little more um, pleasing or less jarring. And I, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think it would have ever swayed that, oh, I need to have these on my character. They're great, though. Like, I mean, I it's, it's complicated. That's all right. I get that. I do that all the time on this show. I'm like, well, I have a lot of feelings, Grybach, let me tell you. <laughs> well, and I've, I've seen the critique that they look World of Warcraft. Yep. I see where they're going because that green that green specifically as yep. soon as as soon as i read the a few people said i'm like i see exactly where they're going it wasn't something that jumped to my mind but i see 100% why it's not like world of warcraft owns this green but it is certainly something that's prevalent in a lot of their armors and gems and what have you well i think it's a combination of that but also the ice is um uh, it's not bad looking but it's also not really realistic looking we commented on the ice in bitter frost whatever um uh, looking very realistic and very very sort of gorgeous and this is very stylized pretty but not very realistic pretty and so yeah. the way that the ice looks in this looks much more Again, sort of stylized, cartoony ice, and then when you combine that with the bright green, you know, almost pastel gems that it, it they not pastel. Well, not pastel. You're right, but but bright green, sort of not photorealistic gems. They they look kind of cartoony, right? The auras yes. are beautiful on them. Uh, I think it's funny because the axe honestly looks better than the original legendary axe to me. Uh, uh yeah. I've, I've never been very impressed with Frostfang anyway, but the, yeah, they, they, they look very stylized and in many ways cartoony. So I think, I think that the World of Warcraft comparison is not purely the green gems, but it's definitely a part of it. Yeah, I can, I can see. That. I'm actually looking at the video on Dolphy now. When I was at work, I was just looking at screen caps. I hadn't actually seen them in motion. So I see I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying with about the ice itself. But I mean, there are also magic weapons, so they're not like real ice anyway. Not that anything in the game is real anyway. Well, right, but like, but that's still, I feel that these have more in common with the WoW aesthetic than the sort of general Guild Wars aesthetic. Not that Guild Wars weapons are realistic in a photorealistic way, but they're also not... Uh, it's uh, it's sort of a color blocking thing, I guess. Yeah, They're, I agree. I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting. I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not offended by it. I don't. I'm just not going to get any. But you know, maybe they're the greatest thing ever for somebody, and that's if anybody feels that way, I am more than happy for them. Agreed. I did actually. I saw uh, before the show. I was in doing some of the dailies, and one of my guildies popped in. Like, I have to get every single one of this set. So, I mean, all right then. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's the thing. Like, you're, not everything is going to appeal to everyone, right? As long as it's not Wow Shoulders, I don't mind. Wow Shoulders <laughs> are the single dumbest thing in in like video gaming trends, and it's not just Wow, but God, do I hate that aesthetic so much 
not organ female breasts? Uh, that's dumb in a completely different way. That's anatomically stupid. The wow shoulders are anatomically and aesthetically stupid. <laughs> we're getting we're getting really snippety, aren't we? Uh, look, a it's, it's a huge pet peeve for me, okay? <laughs> and I am two and a half drinks in, so I'm I'm letting WoW have it, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I really hate huge shoulders. I like I hate them more than Hunter hates capes. Wow. wow. Yeah. Actually, the scepter's pretty good of this set. <laughs> I'm still... Oh, and the staff is nice. Speaking mm. of staves, I actually... <laughs> staves. I actually <laughs> like the candelabra staff. I think that's really cool looking. It is pretty fun. Like, it's kind of a joke weapon, but also it's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love I the complete kind of segue. Love the Grybox raging about World of Warcraft. But hey, the scepter's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, <laughs> the scepter and staff are pretty cool looking, for sure. I actually like the torch a lot. Oh, <gasps> that infinarium glider. Yeah. <gasps> the sad part is everyone is asking for the Infinaria mini again, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so instead, they're getting a glider. Yeah, yeah. Did I it have not? the mini? I I don't think it came back again. I thought Inks was saying he had been yeah. wanting one since 2012 and managed to get one this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm completely wrong then. Yay. Wow. Anyway, so uh, the sorry, skins are more... mildly divisive. I guess is the yeah. <laughs> TLDR. <laughs> There's uh, there are a number of skins that come, I believe, from the Winter's Day presents. I haven't actually seen any drop yet, um, but it's a set or not a full set, but wrapped uh, yes! ones that are entirely just covered in wrapping paper. The cool thing about those is they all have a, a very identifiable silhouette. So you don't know what's in there, but for the the great sword, for example, is either dawn or dusk. I'm forgetting which one the the pommel is right now. I think it was dawn. Um, so you have this wrapped great sword that looks exactly like a precursor, but it's not. But it looks like one. So you'd be like, well, if I opened it up, it was a precursor. I got one for a present. Pretty cool, huh? But it's not one. So what you're saying is it's like those ripoff, uh, like fake Nintendos that they try and sell at markets to grandmas that don't know what the electronics are, like Wintendo. <laughs> the Intendo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this one's just uh, Usk. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Usk. Yeah, that sounds dirty. Uh, <laughs> we're selling Usk to children. It's wrapped up. Wow. Yeah. It's actually called Not Day. <laughs> Not Day. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of the wrapped weapons. I looked at the staff and I was like, I need this one. I need it now. Keep your staff like wrapped up, kids. Exactly. <gasps> Always wrap your staff. Oh my god. There's an after-school special in here. <laughs> okay. What does that even mean? It, it sounds like a... Never mind. <laughs> Always wrap your I, staff? Yeah. It sounds like a sex end course. Oh, okay. I thought you meant there was actually something that... Okay, never mind. I, I didn't realize that you were talking about the podcast. I thought you were making a non-sequitur or perhaps a sequitur statement, but, you know. It was sequitur, I promise. <laughs> Man. Anyway, and with that, do we have anything else we want to talk about about Winter's Day, or is it, you know, pretty much standard fare, same as every year? Uh, if you like it, you love it. 
there's new decorations for the guild hall. Um, there's one very cool one that I, I like and have made already. It is a ice sculpture of a snowman, not an actual snowman. Cute. Uh, but it, it, it's pretty cool. It's hanging out in the Relics Guild Hall. If, you, if you're a member of that guild and you want to go see it. Um, How big is the it? Rest, it is about a new hawk, a standard new hawk unit. That's pretty big. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the rest of the decorations this year. You know how when you were a kid and you were like, like maybe like three to five and you had those wooden, like the plain wooden blocks that were shapes? Mm-hmm. It was like, this one is a wedge. This one is a sphere. Literally those made out of snow. <laughs> like, what? Uh, they are not... I don't have a very high opinion of them. I'll put it that way. Uh, They're big, though. Yeah, I think they have interesting applications as building blocks in the guild hall, right? Like, on, on the scale of our guild halls, people are always complaining, you know, like, uh, we, we need bigger decorations. We can't really, uh, we don't have the building blocks to essentially build our own stuff, right? Um, these are going to be really good for the people who are trying to make jumping puzzles and things yep. like that. They're relatively inexpensive. Uh, they definitely have uses. The part that's disappointing to me is that they went and added these when they could have added things like peppermint, like the peppermint circles from the jumping puzzle or the snowflakes uh-huh. uh, any uh-huh. kind of pre- any kind of presents the big winter's day tree there's just so oh, many no. really cool winter's day assets that they had and we got snow blocks <laughs> yeah i really think a it's a shame to me i think it's really a shame to not include pretty much everything from the winter wonderland jumping puzzle in <laughs> guild decorations that seems perfect maybe they're trying to paste stuff like that out that's generous i'm <laughs> I'm a generous person. <laughs> You're magnanimous. <laughs> oh, and the other great thing about Winter's Day, not that, I don't know. The best patch note I read today is that if you've already done the scavenger hunt quest to get the Imperial Fragment Eater, uh, the one associated with your commander, um, you, for years, <laughs> would get these stupid junk items out of jumping puzzles, and those have been removed. If you've completed the quest, you'll no longer get those. Um, but they were free silver. You. Yeah, but they did. And they stack, stacked. and you had to click no, on them. No, they did if you opened them. Oh, but you had to open them. Ugh. Ugh. Oh my god, spirit, really? <laughs> my clicking hands are oh not god. impressed. How many jumping puzzles hands. are you doing? <laughs> this it, is an issue. It's just a thing that would just pile up in your inventory, and it was an extra thing that I didn't want to deal with on top of all the other extra things that I have to type in a name to delete and stuff. I kind of like getting them because I'm like, haha, I'm stealing these from you. I'm selling them and not helping you. It seems applicable to any inventory <laughs> woes. Yeah, it does. Uh... It's just about perfect for that. Yeah, I just... This link should go in our show notes. I just linked a picture of Zarya's new legendary emote from uh, Overwatch, which has her opening infinite presence nested within one another. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah. Guild Wars 2 inventory is something that we complain about a lot, and I'm not going to do it this episode, because I am full of Winter's Day cheer, okay? You are magnanimous. I am. Yam. You're a vegetable. <laughs> I yams. am. God, I hate yams. What did yams right. ever do to you? 
So speaking of Winter's Day, Winter's Day is the end of the year, and thus it's time to move into our year in review, unless any of you other folks had anything especially to say about Winter's Day. I did the jumping puzzle in within four tries. Was it your first time ever? No, no. Okay. But considering year before last was the first time I was able to do it at all, and it took me two hours <laughs> before I got it. That's this a market been- improvement. Yeah. Yes. That's commendable. <laughs> you are commended. Yes, we can now move on. Okay. So the first thing that I wanted to bring up in the year in review was that we are now three living story chapters in. How do we feel about the content release pace, scope, etc.? Celeste, go. So I'm just going to read what I wrote because it's completely honest and I can read things right now. Being super honest, I thought we were more than three chapters into the season. I guess that means that the new zones have really helped to fill in, but it also is a reflection on how it's taken or how long it's taken to get three chapters released. Yep. And I wanted to, as I wrote in the show notes, just remind anybody who hasn't been keeping up on the timeline it sort of feels like there was more as in at least four where the reason for that is that the fourth in air quote chapter was the first one to release, which was the Heart of Thorns revamp, which we'll talk about a little bit later in terms of the year in review. But uh, overall, I think everybody thinks it was a really good thing for them to do, but it definitely took the slot of what you would normally have been slotting in for their first living story re- chapter segment, whatever. So, yeah. I, I do have to say, I don't miss the frenetic pace of the original Living Story releases. I like being able to, yes, it only takes one evening to finish a story chapter, but redoing it doesn't feel like an onerous task. There's still a lot to explore and do, and I'm really enjoying this release cadence. Spirit? I, In terms of release cadence and quality... Um, I have enjoyed this, I think, more than anything in the past. I'm a little bit disappointed that we're a year on from Heart of Thorns Store, like, just because, you know, we only get one every couple months. Um, I am ready for the story to be at a different point than it is currently at. Um, I want answers to questions. I want, mm-hmm. I am ready to move on from <laughs> things that we've been you know, toying with for years. And I, I know I talked about this, a lot about this last episode with the, um, they're, they're tackling these big issues that we've waited for so long to get a re- resolution to. My big bugbear is um, with the most recent patch, um, Bram cracking the tooth and that being a big catalyst for instant action, right? The, the Norn are going to move out when that tooth is cracked. The tooth has been cracked. It is time to go. <laughs> Like things, things should be happening right now. And we're not going to see, you know, at least until probably like if they do a chapter right in the new year, um, you know, first, first patch of the year in January, then um, that is the soonest we'll get any movement on that. And that's if they decide to touch on that, because even though we're getting these big storylines, these important questions that I'm really happy to see them addressing, uh, they're sort of balancing three at once right now. Um, mm-hmm. The Brahm story, the White Mantle, and I felt like there was a third one that I'm blanking Orin? on. So, so basically, yeah, Orin also, um, and, you know, Primordus versus Jormag and all that stuff going on. So there's so many different threads 
that it's hard to progress all of them at a pace that keeps me engaged and uh and feels satisfying content yeah um i think it'll be i think it'll be one of these things that's fantastic when we go back and play it once all of them are out like a year from yeah. now and play it like oh this is great yeah going through all these ones right now it's like i really want the next episode <laughs> But that's uh, good, isn't it? Like that's showing that's showing good storytelling. Like you 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 do want more. You want to see where it's going. If you were like, meh, meh, I'll be fine. Then, then that means it's not compelling. Yeah. Yeah. But it seem it seems like less of a cliffhanger. It's it's less of a I it's I think it's just a um oh god words sort of a semantics difference but it feels like less of a cliffhanger where i'm like oh i need to get more and more of i'm not quite satisfied because i didn't get quite enough but i want more right it's like it's like having an amazing meal and just feeling like oh my god i could eat this forever as opposed to having an amazing appetizer and being like holy moly i want the main course but the main course is going to be tomorrow um yeah I, i i don't know if you guys listen to our last episode that we did a couple weeks ago but i think that that's sort of the the main salient point that we were trying to boil down sort of spirit and i were kind of arguing about it but i think we're also kind of saying the same thing at this point which is that they're far enough apart that it's making it challenging it's making it challenging to feel like you're staying engaged in the story yes as soon as you're finished like and you know when you get a new piece of story everybody dives right into it right but then you're like okay but you know you're you're balanced just what spirit just said you're balancing all these things and we're not getting them that quickly so i think it's speaking well towards the quality of what we've been getting but is but the frustration point comes from the pace at which we've been getting it and that's not to necessarily criticize ArenaNet for that. It's more a reality of the fact that this is definitely the first year that they have addressed all aspects of the game, even moderately fairly, and that comes at the cost of story. The first year that we had Living Story, Living Story was pretty much the only thing that was happening, right? We weren't really getting new skills. We weren't really getting new... it was happening new... all the time. It was happening all the time, and we weren't getting anything else. And for people that were more on my end, my perfect hybrid is story and, like, player mechanics. So, like, new classes, new skills, right? Which Heart of Thorns delivered on great for me, because it gave me new story. It gave me a whole bunch of new mechanics. That was great. But, um in but in in season one we had all story and nothing else and that left people pretty frustrated on the world v world end on the pvp end on the difficult pve content end and on the profession mechanics and skills end and in season two we had sort of uh, a mixed cadence where we still had quite a bit of story uh, but the explorers uh, like myself as well got happy because we started getting maps the story was still coming out at a pretty good pace but to be honest a lot of worldview world and pvp and class stuff still wasn't happening and so after two years of that a lot of people in those aspects of the game were feeling really left out and i totally can empathize with them feeling alienated it's just that that's not those aren't the areas of the game that i'm interested in and so it's very hard to develop for 
all of the areas at once. And so this season has really been sort of the biggest compromise where they sort of address as many of those areas as they possibly can. And so the fewer of those areas that you're interested in, the more sparse it's going to feel if you were already getting them addressed. Does that make sense? Or am I a drunken, raving lunatic right now? Well, no, I I understand what you're saying. But for me, what I am seeing with this season is the stories that we're, yes, they're paced out. But before the pace was fast, but by the time things paid off, even though you were getting things constantly, you forgot what what brought you there in the first place because it was so there was so much filler in between. Whereas this one, it's very the story is very dense, like it's rich. You are basically you're not getting a lot of filler, which is I think for me is really good. And because that they're so digestible you can play them like, okay, oh, there's a new new living world story coming out tomorrow. I can do it again on an alt tonight and refresh my memory. So I am pretty, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Sure. I think, I think personally for me, I think season two was sort of the sweet spot as far as things were concerned because we got a lot more story chapters over the course of that year than we've gotten this year but it wasn't quite that crazy frantic pace of season one season one was literally a patch every two weeks and it was actually crazy that was you know um i i and not necessarily missed... always relevant yeah, yeah absolutely and i and i actually missed a lot of the tower of nightmares that was actually the one set like that whole month i just kind of got burned out from story every two weeks and i played it but not a ton it was the one that i got by far the least amount of exposure to in season one but yeah i think i think that in terms of the writing quality in a vacuum this season it's been very good it's just that it's i guess sort of i think what both spirit and i are saying is that it's been very good but it's also a little bit hard to maintain that um engagement level like when we're we're talking about Bram and how a lot of people are really upset with him. If you think about it in terms of like, well, maybe it's only been a week or two since his mom died. Yeah, that's sure. That's totally understandable. But from player perspective, it's been nine months. Exactly. So <laughs> like that's, that's where the pacing intersects with the storytelling because you can't just completely ignore how long we as players have had between those events or I mean, you can, but it it causes some dissonance, I guess. I think that's definitely the case, and I think your analogy of we had an appetizer and the main course isn't until two weeks from now or the next day. That's definitely how this season has felt. Like there's a lot there, and it's all really good, but you have to wait six hours between bites. Right. It's just that. Yeah, and, and I mean the the difference being that if you're in if you're into PvP, if you're into World v. World, right, you're actually now getting lot, something yeah. at all. <laughs> like before, you just didn't. They just didn't serve the gluten free PvP, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like so, uh, yeah. I mean, I, again, that's that's where I I want to definitely acknowledge the real the reality of of development right you only have so many resources and they got away with giving us so much story before by literally neglecting several major game modes and i as a person was okay with that because i don't care about those but 
if you do care about those, that's everything. So but how much of that was actually story? What do you mean? Well, they were releases, but I'm saying that there was a lot of filler. Well, but even in season two, like <clears throat> season two had still a lot more story than we've gotten in this season. Um, in my opinion, anyway, less map real estate. We got two maps in season two, but it was eight chapters and those maps sort of expanded as they went. Um, but season two had quite a lot of story, but, and a lot less filler than season one, but still had very little on the world view world and PVP front is what I'm trying to say. Like we, we got a lot, but we also got it by neglecting areas of the game that a lot of other players found to be the most important part of the game. And also, you know, hardcore content like raids, right? Spirit can attest to that. Raids are one of your favorite, one of your favorite game modes. And those literally didn't exist until this year. And mm -hmm. resources that are going into building raids are resources that can't be going into building other non-raid maps and non-raid story content, right? I mean, that's just, that's a, re that's a reality of development. But I think they also have to consider replayability. And yes, you can replay season two and you did get, like, I'm not, I'm not slagging season two by any means, or even season one for that matter. Although it may sound like I am a little bit, but I'm not. But in this one, it does not, it's like, oh, do you want to replay the story steps? It's like, sure, I'll replay it. Whereas it's like, oh, okay, I'll help you with season two. But how much of that is Do because you? season two was like a year and a half or two ago? and No, I, even at the time. <laughs> like, okay. I've, I've already done it once. I don't want to do I have to do it again for the achievements. Sure. Like it was, whereas I don't feel that with this, with this one at all. Okay. I mean, that's, that's totally fair. I, I personally completed season two, I think seven times, and I've only completed season three, one and a half times. But I mean that's that's totally fair. Let's everybody has different opinions. I'm definitely not saying that you're wrong for having that opinion. So <laughs> <laughs> mean old Grybok. <laughs> I think bah, the overall TRDL of this section and for the year has been that everybody in the player base has had a bite and we're all fairly satisfied, but we still want that next bite to come. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wanna know where this is going. Yeah, for sure. The 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 content that we've gotten has been extremely good. I think we all agree. I think we all agree on that, right? Yes. Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christian came by and I was checking on me. I don't know what I agreed to. We're doing it. Do, do we all agree that the content of season three has been very good, of a high quality? Yes. Excellent. Um... <laughs> Okay, sweet. Anyway, on to our next talking point. What was the piece of content that resonated with you the most and or the least? I'm going to do this round robin, and I'm just going to start with myself because I am selfish. No, uh, just because I'm the top of the list. Um, for me, I think the piece of content that resonated the most in the living story was Bloodstone Fen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Guild Wars 1, and... It just had so many great callbacks and moments, and I love revisiting it, even though it's completely different after exploding. Uh, I think it was just great, and I love the mechanics of having sort of specialized gliding skills that really encapsulated sort of this chaotic magic. So I thought that was very cool. As far as the least, I would say that 
raids and jumping puzzles have resonated with me, or not jumping puzzles, the Fire Islands jumping puzzle uh, in particular, have resonated the least with me this season. I don't think that raids shouldn't exist. How's that for some double negatives? I think raids are great <laughs> for the players that really want that content, like Spirit, and like all sorts of raiding guilds, and I'm glad they have an outlet like that. It's just not... It just emphasizes the kind of play that I don't like in Guild Wars 2 and puts a lot of focus on the systems that I already didn't like, e.g. Ascended Gear, certain kinds of food crafting, build stratification, what have you. But but the content is very good and it's very high quality, it just really didn't resonate with me. And sort of similarly, that jumping puzzle in the Fire Island felt like it was leaning on the least fun part of Guild Wars 2's movement mechanics. Um, which was having a lot of really, really tight jumps and janky, slidey edges and things like that. So um, was was not the biggest fan of that. So that's that's my that's my favorite and least favorite of the Living Story patches. Celeste, uh, I was gonna say Rising Flames just because I really enjoyed the Ring of Fire Islands. It was one of my favorite zones in Prophecies. And it was really interesting to go back there and see, you know, some of the old assets and the uh, thermal tubes it was actually a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Um, that might have been because I didn't have ley line gliding when I had or when I had gotten there and done thermal tubes. And I was like, this is fun. Whee! Kind of moments. They're kind of like jumping. They're kind of like jumping mushrooms on steroids. Yes. And that's yeah. why I enjoyed them so much. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that gliding in Central Tyria huge game changer it really is it seems oh, like yeah. such a small thing but it is such a big part of what made the game fun for me again yeah i'll definitely agree on that i sort of wasn't including that because it wasn't sort of part of the living story chapters but that's absolutely a huge deal i completely agree with you on that and for least i'm gonna have to say raids and it's just it's not in my purview so it really didn't do anything for me as a player casuals I, unite I am interested in the story, Clink, but I am not going to go through all of the trouble of gearing myself to experience it. Yarp. Uh, Spirit, I know that you don't have anything written in the notes, but too bad, slacker. <laughs> uh, my favorite piece of content overall this year uh, has continued to be raids, obviously. I think surprising no one. Um, with Challenge Mode being a close second for basically all the reasons I listed earlier, um, I think it it builds on the greatest parts of Guild Wars 2's combat, and um, you can do it with five people. So, you know, with the obvious drawbacks of it being level 100, locked behind about a whole bunch of stuff, I I hope they take that and make it a little bit, you know, take the ideas that they put forward in that challenge mode and make them a little bit more available to people who just want to come in and not grind to the top of a system before getting to see the best that the game has to offer, uh, you know, in my opinion. Um, living story-wise, my favorite part has been exploring. <laughs> I I said I only spent like four hours in Bitter Frost Frontier, but it is by far my favorite map from this year, and I can't wait to get more time into it. I've just been so busy with other stuff. I got really into World v. World, um, over the past few weeks, and so that I just took a sharp left from uh, right. getting there. But I'll get back to it and uh. I'm really looking forward to just spending a lot of time in Bitter Frost Frontier and, and exploring it over the holiday break. 
Um, for least, I can't even. Uh, nothing has really put me off so much that I've been like, ugh, I hate this. Like, it really stands out to me like that. Um, I would say the segments of the story where you have to go through the map and just visit each heart and do like sort of the checklist of like, this is what's going on at this heart. Um, I don't find that kind of story engaging at all. And I realize that a lot of players like that structure of, you know, sort of guiding you through the zone. But I I prefer ye olde Guild Wars. <laughs> I don't know where that accent came from. Style of just putting you in a zone and turning you loose and trying to sort of puzzling out everything on your own, figuring out how the pieces go together. That's, you know, what I'm used to. And that's what I prefer rather than having my hand holded so much wow i do want i do want to briefly interject that i do think that raids and challenge modes have definitely emphasized some parts of guild wars 2 that were very lacking in the areas of involving more awareness and of involving more movement mechanics and positioning mechanics and more interesting types of aoe's than just you know a circle or or a line um I definitely appreciate those parts. I think it's funny because Spirit and I basically used the exact um, same words to mean opposite things. So, you know, you said you think that they bring out the best parts of Guild Wars 2, and I said I think that they bring out the worst parts of Guild Wars 2, but I think we're actually (laughs) talking about completely opposite parts uh, when we talk about which parts are the best and worst that are emphasized. So maybe it brings out both. Um, because I actually think the the positioning mechanics and and things like that have gotten much more yeah. interesting and more engaging, really since Heart of Thorns in general. Um, so I definitely wanted to just say that I am am definitely piping up in support of that those aspects. And yeah, that's that's not the part of fractals that I find, uh, or not fractals raids that I find frustrating. Well, and the, yeah, resonated with you does not mean that you think it's not worthwhile to have it in the game. Like yeah. That too, yeah. for sure, for sure. But I, but I definitely think that when when I say that I think it emphasized some of the worst parts of Guild Wars Two, I'm not talking about the same parts that Spirit's talking about when she says the best parts of Guild Wars Two. It's not we don't disagree on the those parts that she likes being good. So um, anyway, and Alona, now that you've typed in some notes, I assume that you're ready. <laughs> Thanks Go. for outing me, by the way. Although, to be honest, I was going to out myself. It's like, I totally didn't type these in while everyone else was talking. Dude, you can't hide from me. <laughs> no. Well, or me, because I would have outed myself. Um, so I think the new fractals have, so between the Chaos Fractal and the Nightmare Fractal, have been phenomenal across the board and they have an interesting story arc and again to what you were saying with with i think they're as good as they are because of raids i don't know if if anyone else agrees with that because they're just they're just very engaging and i quite enjoy them uh the new living story chapters i have again been enjoying them a great deal pretty happy across the board the map discovery items that they put into the new maps i like like particularly with ember bay the token collector which i'm not done yet and i'm trying to do it without um a cheat sheet i'm trying to do it just by following the hints so i'm not done but i've really enjoyed that and it's something i try to do a little bit at a time and for least resonated I would say the previous two PvP seasons, I did not uh, 
I can't remember if it was the one before last I didn't take part in at all. And the last one, I maybe played a couple matches and that was it. Yeah, I I typed in the notes after you typed that, that obviously that should have been my least resonant because I didn't even play it. But maybe uh, maybe maybe disinterest is not quite the same as active frustration. So uh, anyway, and I was gonna say just really quickly to what Celeste had mentioned about with with raids not wanting to gear up for something for raids. I 100% understand what you're saying there. I will say though that I made a decision to make a daredevil for raids using you know, the raid build, quote unquote, at the time. And I had, like, I just really enjoy this build and I would never have done it at all or created this, like, geared it up and and made it without doing it with this goal in mind. So something to consider. Oh, definitely. I'm, I mean, some people really enjoyed it and that's fine, but I don't have the time or patience to get no, 10 people together. <laughs> no, I, I just mean, like, even with, like I geared it up for raids, but I enjoy playing this character outside of raids as well with this build. Cool. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> uh, no, I I hear what you're saying though. It's I think to yeah. I mean, we've talked about raids before on the podcast, but I think for me, the frustration is not as much on a personal level as much as an interpersonal level. It's really hard if your group is struggling and you feel that you are not the cause it just creates a lot of social friction and i just i don't want to play guild wars to have social friction and you know tell other players in the guild that they need to up their game that's just not uh anyway that's more where my frustration came from i have as much as i complain about it i do have ascended gear on several characters and i do have optimal ascended gear uh at least somewhat but um there's there's a lot of sort of meta issues that i have with raids so it's i mean you know it's a different it's different for everybody for sure uh moving on because we're nearing the two hour mark which is i think the longest relics of war i've ever recorded but uh we're getting towards the end so that's actually probably fine uh christian actually was the one responsible for that last question and as well as the next what do you consider your greatest achievement in and out of game presumably in the past year um i'll just start off again because i started last time this year i would say getting astralaria i get about a legendary a year just because i sort of go really hard for it and then i get really burned out on it and then i don't want to start it for eight months or so for a new one um oh god i'm gonna sneeze <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was really loud i you're really glad that i muted that um Anyway, I got Astellaria, which I love the aesthetic of, and I am doubly proud of myself because I did it before the Heart of Thorns rework. Uh, so in the notes, I put in all caps and bold, curse you, Leyline Sparks, because, oh my god, Spirit knows the pain at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that would be my greatest achievement. Celeste, how about you? Um... Really, I think the only thing that I actually got done this year is that I got my Agni Resistance up to 55. And that's really the most I can brag on. 
Uh, fair, fair point. Um, <laughs> uh, Spirit, I didn't do anything you? very remarkable this year other than have a baby. So as far as in well, game, there's not that much. Game. Okay, out of game. I had a baby. There you go. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I you made know. a human being. Yeah, <laughs> and not like a necromancer. You know, <laughs> no, fully alive, not undead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I'm sure that they make similar sort of yowls and howls, which I'll spare the podcast of my impression of terrifying undead Dead creatures. Probably right. <laughs> Spirit, how about you? What was your greatest achievement in slash out of game this year? Uh, cool. um, probably uh raids again. I re- I lead two raids in addition to being a part of uh you know another. Or multiple, depending on the week. I raid a lot. I just, I like to do it, and um, I seek it out actively. And you're good um, at it. Yeah, so I'm I'm a raid leader for two raids, and definitely the proudest moments for me is, is when I've been working with these people, and they, like, everything clicks, and they get a boss kill, or, um, you know, we started the year, raids came out last year in November. Um, we started the year still getting everyone geared up, um, these two raids that I lead only raid once a week, so it's that um, that process of you know getting everyone together, you know, realizing that we need this sort of new standard of of gameplay that Guild Wars Two never required of us before, uh, and then progressing to that point where we're, where we are geared, we do understand our builds and the game a lot better, uh, and you know we're working as a team together. The standout moment I think for me was taking this Saturday raid. Um, the first time I brought a Magi's Druid to the raid, we cleared all of Spirit Vale in one go, uh, which was our first time. We had killed all the bosses independently, but it took us a long time to get each boss down. Um, and then uh, it was decided that I was going to heal, and we just blasted through it. And it was like, oh, it's so cool. Like, all this stuff we've been working on for months and months comes together. Uh, and that that sense of achievement is is really why a lot of people raid it's just absolutely fantastic when when all that stuff comes together Alrighty, and alona how about yourself mine's gonna sound really dumb after that epicness (laughs) i was finally able to complete the halloween jumping puzzle this year no small it was a big deal for me yeah (laughs) I was super like I made an I made Astralaria. I also made Immobilis that took a long time getting giant eyes, like forever. And it took me a long time to get that. And so I was mulling over in my mind which which is what am I most proud of in game and then I realized it's that damn jumping puzzle. <laughs> getting that done for the first time. That's I so I, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, th- people are proud of different things, and if you're not, you know, a mega jumping puzzle person, that's a hard jumping puzzle. I spent hours and hours hating myself and cursing on Mumble for my guildmates' amusement the first year, and I'm sure at least some people can attest to that being true. Uh, it's it's hard, and the good news is once you've got it, you'll be able to nail it out, uh, hammer it out, I guess. <laughs> Phraseology. Yeah, after, you'll be able to after hammer that. It, next it took year. me like first or second try when it was the daily. It was so yeah. It's absolutely it, very similar to the first year I was able to get the Winter's Day jumping puzzle, which was a couple years in. 
and now I can do it fairly quickly. And so if you're, if you're not good at it, just keep trying. You'll get it. Probably. You'll get it. <laughs> you get it. Maybe. All right. Because uh, <laughs> I'm a jerk. Anyway, uh, let's see. Were there any events or activities not related to Living Story, such as community or guild events, that you remember fondly? Uh, I'm boring, so no. Celeste? Unfortunately, I'm also very boring. <laughs> um, and we, we, we highlight community things all the time. Um, no, I fail. I, I don't... I, nothing particularly stands out to me this year. I'm sorry. The Tyria March. That's true. There was the uh, Gay Pride Tyria March this year. I loved the Tyria March. I mean, I love all the community events. Like, and I, but because some of them are more um, cyclical, like they happen every year. This was the first year for this particular one. I think it it yep. was a big it was a big deal, and it was a lot of fun. Sure, that's great, uh, Spirit. Um. Oh goodness. I so in relics on the weekends on. Saturdays, we have an event every week. Uh, it's guild missions and then other events alternating. And so I've done a lot of events this year, um, <laughs> trying to keep track of all of them. The one that stands out to me right now is uh, running around Tangled Depths with a large number of people from Relics and our, you know, our guilds that we're friends with. Um, I think we had about 35 people and we just, we ran all over the zone, up and down and gliding and portaling people up and into the top layer and all the way down to the bottom layer and up jumping puzzles. And, uh, I don't think Jalinar listens to this podcast, but, uh, if you know, at, at Chronicles of Tyria on Twitter, uh, offered to show us a shortcut to one of the mastery points in there. And promptly drove our entire 35-man Zerg into a poison lake and killed everyone without the mastery. <laughs> so that's, that's the uh, community event that sticks out to me right now. It's but a I, There's been a large number of fantastic ones this year. <laughs> what was the one that was in the Relics um, arena where it was like naked, like your characters are naked and you had to like pull, was that a Zura Bowl? Yeah, we played a Zura Bowl a few times this year and that, that has been a lot of fun every time. Fair enough. All right. Well, awesome. Um, let's see. Celeste added to the show notes. So what are some major changes you think are worth mentioning top three? And she put a list in here of gliding in Central Tyria, raids, Heart of Maguma, rewards revamp, world v. world, map mix-up, um, fractals, various shufflings, uh, death and revival of legendary weapons, new PvP map, hungry cats, and I'm going to also add to the list anything in Living Story. Uh, I guess I will just continue the trend of going first for these segments. I think my top three, personally, are probably Gliding in Central Tyria. Mm, I think Heart of Maguma re revamp was very important for the Heart of Thorns content. And the death and subsequent revival of Legendary Weapons is huge for me, because it was a big deal to me that they were ostensibly cancelled indefinitely and that indefinitely did not actually mean forever and I'm very happy with the way that they chose to implement that um, 
you know, again, it comes down to allocation of resources. I would much rather have something bare bones and reasonable than not at all. So, you know, I have, I have no complaints in that area. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are probably my top three for me. And, and like I said, we already covered the, uh, you know, how, how good just in, in general, just how good the gliding interior feels. So those are, those are mine. Uh, Celeste. Uh, gliding interior is going to have to be at the top for me. I really do love the fractal revamp and the way that they put in the hub and the different ways that you can choose your different instances and all this kind of stuff. I think it's really ingeniously done. I don't play it often, but I still think it's great. And I actually really like the cats. I don't even have all of them, but I think it's a really fun idea. They even added more cats this Winter Stay update, and that's pretty great. <laughs> It's true. It's a pretty fun. It's a pretty fun thing. Uh, I'm I don't also even a... like cats. What? <laughs> I'm not what? really a cat person. You're done. Get out. <sighs> You've been removed from this podcast in editing. Okay. Harsh. I don't have the ability to do that. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, Spirit, how about you? What are some major changes you think are worth mentioning? Uh, yeah, my top three are the same as your top three, and even the same order. <laughs> I was like, oh. Graphic has just said everything that I wanted to say, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I mean, those those three are, you know, maybe not my top three for the, the activities that I do, but I think they're the biggest, most positive impacts on the game as a whole. So I'm totally down to call those the top three. Alrighty, and Alona? I would have to 100% agree with those three, the gliding and central teria, fractals, revamp, the legendary weapons although i haven't really that one i'm going to put it put a caveat on because i haven't tried to get any of the ones that have come back since the revival so i'm not 100 percent sure how i feel about their acquisition but i am glad that they're back i was gonna say the fact I, that we can get them at all yes, is yes 100 yeah. agree i am going to do an honorable mention for the addition of salvage slash consume all. Oh god. Yes. Oh god. <laughs> I think that that's so important that, that it there. doesn't count towards any of our lists. Oh, it counts. No, I mean it's like it's the auto number 1 and so our list would be boring by all having that in it. <laughs> so that's my honorable mention though. It's like oh, that salvage consume all is so good. Salvage slash consume all. Yeah. That's a big deal. That might be it's, the tastiest thing from this year. It's a yeah. game changer. <laughs> it's like so, so, so minor. And yet it is not so minor. important. You take that back. <laughs> well, I, I do take... I was like, you know, I agree with all these, but there is something. What is it? What was that hmm. thing again? That thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing I love and talk about constantly. Oh, also the uh, revamp to <laughs> the revamp to um the minstrel that's actually my number one <laughs> most important update <laughs> most legendary important instrument <laughs> it's sad but true i mean it's fair look you would not hear the end of it from me if they gave me bubbly aura or footfalls on land for having Kratkin. <gasps> They so should. They I, should. I will back you 100% on that. Tell me about it. Um, I have actually pe had people comment, like, you have a legendary? I'm like, yes, I've had this legendary for two years. And people have been around and they did not notice. 
until now. Yep, that's how it goes. Oh man, my cats are complaining. Anyway, I hear kitty. Yeah. Wow. They're hungry cats. They're, well, no, they're not <laughs> hungry. They're just complaining like cats do. Anyway, well, that's actually bringing us towards the near the end of our show notes, which is fortunate because it's also bringing us very near to the end of our maximum recording length. Um, we, I'm not going to put this in a cast cast. I'm going to put this just in a general thing. Um, so anybody who has listened to Guild Wars Reporter, their latest episode, episode 211, uh, should know that they, they are, uh, hanging up their guild capes, non-existent, so to speak. Um, and they, they are moving on with other pursuits in their life. And by they, I mean you, obviously. But uh, I just, I just wanted to take a minute and say, just have some recognition of that, and say that you guys are awesome and have always been an inspiration to at least myself, but I'm fairly certain to Spirit as well. Uh, you guys have always mm-hmm. been a consistently positive, cheerful voice in the community. You put in way more work than we do i can attest to that firsthand and i know how hard it is to come up with content every week because i don't come up with content every week and you have managed to do that for years and years at this point and so you guys have put in an amazing amount of work towards this community and towards your podcast and i just wanted to give you guys a cheers and a send-off so yeah giant props to you guys and Thank you. best of luck in whatever you decide to do or not to do in the future. I plan on not doing a lot, but also <laughs> hopefully doing some stuff. I actually feel, you know, the imposter syndrome, how that can kick in at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel for me, this is like I'm along for the ride and just doing the fun parts. And Celeste has done like all the work for it. So, um, little bit me, mostly Celeste, just so everyone knows. I really don't feel like I've done that much other than editing. And yeah, but like the that. editor is the voice. Like, it can change everything. <laughs> you make me sound smart, Celeste. <laughs> Which is going to be really obvious after this episode, because I'm not going to make you sound smart. <laughs> True. Okay. Actually, you probably don't make me sound smart, but smarter than I probably am at the initial recording. <laughs> Look, I I want to say that as somebody who edits but does not edit nearly to the quality that you do, you are definitely downplaying the amount of work that you put into this because I think most people that Agreed. most people that don't or haven't ever made something like a podcast really have no idea how much work goes into it and i put what i consider to be about the bare minimum amount of work into running a podcast and you guys uh pretty much blow that away in every conceivable metric so you know it's and and i think it's a lot of work so you guys you guys are great you guys are awesome and we i i said it in a a dm but you guys are welcome to be guest hosts on this podcast anytime you want and you don't have to do any of the work you just have to record for an hour or apparently two and a half hours as it is tonight but normally i promise it's only like an hour ish (laughs) um yeah but (laughs) give or take 
Probably still the same if you have Celeste. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> anyway, no, you guys, you guys are awesome, and um, we're sad to see you go, but we completely understand it because it's you know life moves on, and it's a lot of it's a lot of friggin' work. So, yeah. and it's just so people understand, we love the game. It yeah. has nothing to do with our enjoyment of the game, or anything with regards to the community in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, the community's been more than excellent, and couldn't have done it without you guys at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been an amazing experience. Like I said recently in a private DM, I am so happy I re- just on a whim responded to a tweet to be a guest host. Oh man, that's how I ended up on Relics too. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, yeah long... So it was more roundabout than that, but it was like Regina Bonobra tweeted uh, a link to a blog, which linked to Hunter's blog, which Hunter's most recent blog post was that Relics of War was recruiting, and I joined the guild, and then seven years later, <laughs> I'm the guild leader and wow. doing the podcast, and that's, yeah, wow. I don't know. Yeah, mine was a lot more direct than that. I need a co-host who's interested. I'm interested. Okay, you're in done <laughs> yeah mine was a sort of slow process where i listened to relics of ore way back in the day with the original cast before spirit time and uh i used to comment on there a lot on the comments especially on the bar brawls and i wrote long enough comments which should surprise nobody i wrote long enough comments that tasha had to tell me that i needed to tone down my comments because they were scaring away normal commenters <gasps> from responding to something that long I can attest that that is absolutely true. I looked at one of your comments early on and I was like, <laughs> I, I'm just not even gonna. I'm just not even gonna. I was, I really have imposing. a lot to say all the imposing. time. Uh, well, maybe, I don't know about imposing, but like, maybe intimidating. Intimidating, yeah. Um, Did you at least say, put a guys. TLDR though? No, no, because that would completely defeat the entire exactly. narrative flow that I developed. <laughs> Look, when I write things, there's supposed to be a flow of cause and effect, a building of chains of events that lead to a greater point. Otherwise, what's the point in writing something if everybody's already said it? Uh, but anyway, I am, no. I am I, possibly the most succinct writer in existence. Yeah, I am not. Uh, and nor speaker, as it, as it so happens, unless I'm being snarky or snide. Then I can usually boil it down to some sort of scathing monologue. Uh, but anyway, I wrote really long comments and was really into it, and I followed all the major podcasts back then. And then I sort of lost it for a while after they took a break and then i don't even remember who asked me if i wanted to be on an episode of relics because i was going to be at pax but that's that's how i first got on the podcast was because i live in the seattle area and was going to pax and was going to be at the guild wars party and so they wanted you guys wanted to talk to me about uh just like the what it was like what i you know what devs i talked to what it felt like to play the content because that was back when they were previewing some of the super adventure box back to school i think stuff so it was like after the first year of the game and then right uh yeah i was on an episode and then i was on more episodes and then our main hosts uh retired as well and here i am 
So <laughs> it's, uh, I think a lot of people in this kind of thing sort of just fall into it in various ways or, or other. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope, I hope we can get you guys on the podcast at least, uh, at least sometimes you're always welcome if you specifically want to talk about anything. So, and even if you don't, it's <laughs> <you're just> like, <laughs> and I could go for a good talk about some guild wars. Yeah, right. And come talk about some guild wars with us. <laughs> and I'm always talking I'll, about the guild wars. The guild wars, and maybe I'll be sober for the <laughs> other ones because it's not going to be the once a year thing, or rather, right. not on the once a year occasion. Um, and, and we've we've mentioned that Celeste. Then I'm going to talk for you, Celeste, because this is what I do. Okay. That uh, she's going to probably be playing a lot more now. <laughs> that she doesn't oh, yeah. have the the show to look to to raise two days a week man that's two days a week of gaming i'll have back <laughs> yeah it's a it's a big deal it's a lot of work um especially if you put as much effort into it as you guys do so you keep I, saying you guys but it's really just celeste i am along for the ride and very have been very thankful to be well that's part of being a successful podcaster hey. is leeching off the coattails of the other podcasters <laughs> that do all the work I've seen your show notes. I know you put work into that. You Absolutely. should see our show notes. Yeah, and this is deceptive because you guys were on the show notes. I'm going to share with you our show notes from like two weeks ago. It's... Did we have any show notes two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, we have show notes every week. It's like four lines. Mm. Um, actually, Hunter's, like Hunter's actually said that our show notes are a little excessive. <laughs> Intimidating, you might say? <laughs> no, no, he says excessive. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I just wanted to take a little special moment to talk about talk about that event, especially because I was hilariously out of the know until you mentioned it in a DM uh, half an hour before this podcast started. So, you know, uh, in case anybody hadn't caught up on Guild Wars Reporter, consider yourself now caught. And then finally, this brings us to our last segment, which is a wonderful letter from our old-timey friend. Um, and I believe Alona was the volunteer to oh, read that. I'm super excited about this, actually. You can you can substitute in your own names in addition to the names listed at the beginning of this, since you are part no, of the addressed crew. I am not going to sully this. This is this is <laughs> art. And I am going to read it verbatim. Did you know that Old Timey Fend sends us in-game mail of, like, worm pies and crap? <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's like... <laughs> he sends us, like, weird food in-game. It's, it's I'll amazing. I'll take some screen caps, because I think, I think I've kept every single one he sent us. Uh, oh, just a brief segue. Uh, I got a Christmas present in-game from Hunter, but it was a lump of Primordium. Oh, lucky I got coal. <laughs> no, I got a lump of primordium. <laughs> Dude, in real life, uh at work, they gave us like little tins that had coal in them and I thought it was like coal candy. You know, have you ever seen that? It's like gum that's oh, black. Uh-oh. Oh, 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 Fortunately, oh. I sniffed it before I shoved it in my mouth cuz it's oh, 100% coal. Uh anyway, <laughs> back to old timey. All, right. All right. I got I got I got the wash. Okay. Take a big drink. <clears throat> no, no, it's all good. Robin, Spirit, Grabach, Merry Winter's Day. You fresh laid griffin eggs? Hail, my frosty friends. It's old timey friend. Anywho, 
I hope you're staying warm this time of year, cause I tell you, it's so cold. Old timey's winter bears have done thrown us over. I was just trying to warm up with some of my famous eggnog flavored rum, when that angry Norn whippersnapper Braham barged in and guzzled the whole bottle. I think he was a dentist, because he started going on about cracking a tooth or some such. I gave him the boot. After I gave him the boot, I got to thinking. What do you think the odds of a rude hothead like that getting whacked are? Old timers been hearing some pretty famous folks talking, taking dirt naps lately. Although, it's usually after they finish their business in some way. It's fa is failure adoption or is redemption the only way? That is a wonderful rendition of old timey. Uh, I'm I glad. Had, I had a few miss ups. I, it's, I think that's part of the charm. I think that our continuing tradition of reading it by a different person in a different voice every week is fantastic. Um, I'm pretty sure that Braham is definitely going to become a dentist of sorts. He is uh, purging, <laughs> the, purging the infected tooth of uh, some sort of elder god, and I'm sure he's delivering lots of Novocaine into its roots. Um <laughs> I love, I love old timey's uh, or old old timey fans. Those notes, are good messages. Whatever. Um, I love in character things across the board. Yeah, uh, I all I want to say is I hope the odds of him getting whacked are very high. I also want to say that I completely sort of dyslexia the words. So instead of rude hothead, I totally read hot redhead. So. <laughs> I was gonna say pretty high because she's already dead, um, <gasps> but I had to really, really do a double take there to see what he was talking about. Um, anyway, I just felt that was worth mentioning. <laughs> All right, are you at the bottom of the page? Am I at the bottom of the page? Yeah, I'm about to hit paste. Oh, I pasted. I pasted uh, yep. two episodes yeah. ago. Show notes. Yeah, I'm about to do our last show. Just, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, you see that? You that's see this a, effort? That's a short show. That's that, a short show. That is crystallized effort. Our show was an hour and a half. I want you to know that. <laughs> Off those six lines. <laughs> yeah. What was this one? This this was about an hour, right, Celeste? No, mm -hmm. it was less. It was Just a short longer. show. Yeah. This was this was a normal length show for us. Now, to be fair, I cherry picked a little bit because sometimes we have longer notes than that. But usually, our shows are about an hour to an hour and a half, and at least half the time they are six lines or less, and four of those lines are time and who's on the show. Um, <laughs> we like to talk a lot of script, uh, and you know, whatever. You guys, you guys, uh, you guys are great, and I. I'm happy that you joined us tonight, and I hope that we can do some some. It's not really going to be a co-podcast, but just some podcasts together in the future. And even if we can't, uh, I'm thankful for everything that you've done for this community. You guys are you guys are great. So, can we both come on at the same time? Absolutely, of course. Yay! Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. And with that, that's basically the two and a half hour mark. So I'm going to conclude this wonderful podcast. I just finished my fourth drink, as per the instructions of Twitter, who voted on it. Um, Do I you think need I'm to lie down, though? Le no, I am less of a blathering idiot than last year. Dude, that, <laughs> that stuff was strong last year. I still have the rest of that in my fridge. My wife asked me if I was ever going to finish it. Um, 
the answer is not tonight. But anyway, thank you for <laughs> joining us. This has been a fun podcast, and we, the Relics crew, will be back, you know, sometime, whatever, because we're slackers. Do 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 do. That doesn't apply here. It can apply anywhere. Boop. Beep, boop. Boop. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.